Hey everybody, we just started doing video versions of our shows in addition to the audio versions that you know and love. So to see those, if they're not showing up in your podcast client, you can visit our website at lowearthorbit.fm and find the videos on our episode pages there. Or you can visit our YouTube page, which is at youtube.com slash lowearthshow. This week on Low Earth Orbit, we talk about the Game Developers Conference. Welcome to Low Earth Orbit, episode 38. I'm Justin Voss. I'm Steve Marmon. I'm Scott Stevenson. And on this episode, we're talking about the Game Developers Conference, which just happened in San Francisco, what, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. And so um, Steve and I did get a chance to go, but Scott went, and it sounds like there was a lot of really awesome stuff there. So for our listeners who don't follow you know, the, the games industry and, and know maybe about GDC, like what kind of stuff happens at GDC? Like what kind of a conference is it? Like what, what goes on there? Uh, yeah, I went in kind of cold. I hadn't been, this is the first time I've been, and I've been to other kind of tech conferences. And uh, the, the thing that struck me first is that it, it covers three separate halls uh, in Moscone and San Francisco. So you know, typically most conferences are either just the North and South halls, or just the West, the West Hall, um, and it's all three for for the Game Developers Conference, and I think it's twenty five thousand attendees, so huge. And uh, the other thing that struck me is that so well, so the basic structure is that there is a full week of stuff happening, and the first two days, Monday and Tuesday, there's sort of uh, more intensive talks, I guess, sort of more tutorial oriented talks, and then Wednesday through Friday, there's more talks in sort of a, a, a wider range of different topics, and then there's also an expo. Uh, across both the other halls. So there's, you know, it kind of opens up through the course of the week. And uh, the thing that struck me, in addition to sort of the overall attendee size, is there's at any, on any hour, there's probably like 20 concurrent talks going. So there's no way you can see, you know, go to all the talks you want to. So they've got this like video vault thing. Oh, they record them. Yeah, they record everything, uh, almost everything. Uh, So, you know, you just have to choose one. A lot of times I just chose the one that seemed like it was most aligned with my interests. And you just kind of accept the fact that you're going to go back and, and check out some different ones. Um, so it was it was awesome. I mean, overall, is I, I for sure want to check it out next year. I wasn't really sure because I'm not actively developing a game right now. You know, I'm more a consumer of that stuff. Uh, so overall, I think for sure it's it's something that I'm going to be look, looking forward to going to. And it was I got a lot more out of it than I was expecting. So there's you know the talks are they they're not all technical or they are all technical. They have yeah. So that actually that's a really interesting point. So there is. A pretty wide range of different types of talks. Uh, some of them are much more, are like really hardcore programming talks. Like here's how to use, you know, new version of DirectX, or here's how we got. Actually, here's specifically one one thing that's interesting is they'll take like a brand new shipping game. So there were there was like a game, an Xbox game that launched with the Xbox One called Rise, and they, there were talks about like how do we achieve the, the graphics fidelity that we got in these new on these new systems, you know, here's a brand new game. And who's giving these talks? Is Usually it from Microsoft or all across the board. So there's, uh, in, in the case of that, so like it was the developer, I think actually, um, who's the, who are the people do Crytek? I'm blanking the name of the company. Um, there's Crytek, the name of the company. I think it might be. It actually. might be. Yeah. Cause crisis is the game. Yes. But, yeah. It's Crytek yeah. engine. So I, th- yeah. I think the company's called Crytek, but for, for, uh, Rome, which is the Xbox one game, they just have people come out from that company and talk about, you know, here are the challenges we had. Here's how we tackled them, and um, but it's people who worked on it. It's people yeah. who worked on it. Yes, exactly. So that you know, so that was one example. Another one that I uh, got to see a part of was uh, the folks from Sucker Punch, and they made Infamous, which is the sort of the counterpart to the Xbox One launch game. This was a, a PS4 game that just came out, and it's really interesting because I'm used to seeing, you know, 
I'm, I'm used to being the consumer of these games, mm-hmm. but here they're talking about how how do you actually build one of these AAA console titles, which seems like kind of a black art in a way. And um, so there's there's that kind of stuff. There's like hardcore programming stuff, but there's also a lot of talks about like narrative, like how do you write interesting characters and how do you you know give somebody a story hook so that they want to play enough of the game that you get the next bit of a narrative and all kinds of stuff all across the board. There's sessions on art, uh, you know, art direction, basically art production, level design, um, just huge wide range. And that was one of the things that struck me about, like compared to other technical conferences where it's usually very programmer centric, you know, but this, because of just the nature of games, there's just a wide range of different things that you can, you can get to. Yeah. It's, it's funny, you know, when you say all that stuff, I'm like, wow, a lot of it's actually not very game specific, right? I mean, like, yeah. you know, having like narrative arcs or like, you know, art styles and all other kinds of stuff. Like, is there like the, you know, Hollywood version of these conferences? Like, is there the movie producer conference where I, you can go to learn these things? I or do you just have so. to like know somebody in L.A.? I like, don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know yeah. that I, 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 I wish I knew. I wish yeah. I knew the answer. I know that like there's definitely like storytelling classes sure yeah i have no idea if there's like film conferences that sort of fill the same gap it's sort of this weird you know intersection of like software development conferences but with elements of the film industry mm-hmm. yeah no that's cool it yeah. sounds like there's a lot of really neat stuff yeah and so then after the you said that basically like the second half of the week is more of like the expo and that's where people demo games or they show games that are in development or yeah, like, yeah. what's so, all that about yeah so the so the the talks continue to happen through the week and they're just they're, uh, there's just more variety or a larger number of talks uh, on wednesday thursday and friday but yeah as you say on wednesday thursday friday they open up the expo floor it spans the north and south halls and it's every every conceivable thing so some are like technology demos for uh you know basically technology companies that they want game developers to adopt so they might say hey i have a new physics engine and they're demoing the physics engine they want a game company to stop by and kind of use it uh some is just like hey here's a new game you know just because they know that game developers are game players as well a lot from the previous episode we've heard that game developers don't really have time to play the games (laughs) yeah the developers make like yeah no it's it's actually a great point i mean i think you know that I'll, you may go there with the intention of like looking and playing in the new games but uh, in reality you may not have time to i don't know um a lot of companies are hiring there you know surprisingly so it kind of turns into like a job yeah like, really yeah there that's, is a section. that's cool it does make i'm sense. sure other tech conferences unofficially yeah, yeah. become yeah, that yeah, too yeah, sure. yeah but there's there's definitely like a, i think everybody goes in knowing that there's going to be companies that are hiring and they're they're taking resumes and stuff they're taking like internships and all that kind of thing. um so there's there's sort of a mix of all that uh but the interestingly, the um, the thing that ended up probably by design being a focus of the expo areas was the VR stuff because everybody had you know Sony announced Project Morpheus, which is their VR system for PS4, and Oculus was there. Uh, but initially, the first I think the I don't I think it was actually after the conference, Facebook announced that they were. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the I think they announced after GDC. Yeah, conveniently, they, I'm yeah. sure. Because hmm. yeah. that, that would have been quite a, a series of questions. It would have changed the tone. For I sure. think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but the VR stuff was really fascinating because they, you know, Oculus has been kind of floating around for a while as a developer kit. Um, but they were they had a new version ready. And then Sony showed up and there was kind of this question of, well, it looks a lot like oculus you know that even the, the physical design of mm. the of the project morpheus thing it like looks like the the oculus thing yeah. and the, the overall sort of system is the same and everyone's kind of wondering it's like oh are they just copying oculus yeah but it seems like they're although they're kind of solving the same problem space mm-hmm. they're not compatible with each other you know they're they're different they're ultimately different systems different implementations for the same oh yeah sure i guess that makes sense yeah, yeah. 
so I, I guess like for the for the benefit of any, any of our listeners who don't have never heard of Oculus Rift, like yeah. they're a company that does VR. Yeah. So they've got this VR headset and they've got a bunch of technology behind it. Uh, John Carmack works there, who is a super super recently ultra famous you know video game programmer from the old school. Yep. Um, and they just got acquired by Facebook like last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for, totally a, like, for an unreasonable amount of yeah. money, right? Like, and it's know. totally like Snow Crash style VR. Like it's like the you know the classic 80s sci-fi version. The giant goggles on yeah. your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Seems but it's crazy supposed- that it's that now all of a sudden it's just, it's a thing. And I thought we sort of gave up on that. In the 80s. Yeah. They kind of talked about this on Axel and Tech Podcast a few episodes back. I'm really behind, so I'm like catching up on like, <laughs> like way long ago. But they're saying that like basically, you know, there's just there's just a lot of little problems. You know, it's like when they started out with video games. It's like, oh man, we have to paint all these pixels on the screen and like we don't really have the hardware to do it. And like you just slowly over time sort of like develop this bag of tricks to like overcome all the little obstacles. And I guess Oculus has actually sort of managed to do some of that. Like they've actually gone out and done the legwork to figure out like what field of view should you have? Like, what's the refresh rate have to be? Like, what's the whatever? Like, you know, how is it that you make sure you don't vomit every time you put the, you know, goggles on? Like, <clears throat> it's not, and are they like single-handedly the responsible for this resurgence? It seems that way. It certainly, yeah, it certainly seems to be that way. I mean, there may be some more fundamental research maybe coming from somewhere else that's enabling it, but it seems like they basically are just throwing a lot of money at the problem and actually like, you know, knocking down some of the issues where it's like, yeah, actually now we're starting to get closer to making this work since we've, you know, sort of stamped out some of the bugs i don't know yeah it's, well so it's interesting so the thing that happened actually after the announcement of facebook buying oculus is two i think one or two high-level folks from valve that worked on valve's vr solution started coming over to oculus yeah, went to or oculus. they announced that they came over they've probably been in talks for a while i would think so yeah but it's interesting because valve has a vr thing as well again this yeah. is so three at least that we know about there's, so there's sony there's oculus and there's whatever valve's thing is nobody has actually seen valve's thing was it, has it Notch been there to see it? I feel like he tweeted. Well, okay, so nobody, nobody they can talk about it. Sure, sure. I guess they can all say that they have seen it, but they can't talk about any of the details of it. Sure. But apparently, it's amazing, and I think some people say it's better than Oculus, which is strange because if you were leaving Valve to go to the go Oculus, Oculus. thing, yeah. so did you get to try any of these? Though the line for the for the Sony thing was punishingly long, and basically they would just cut it off and say we're, we're not taking any more people today. Yeah. Um, and the Oculus line was more accessible, but I just I wasn't ever between talks at the right time where there was space in the line. Yeah. Um, but but you, they had mo- for the Sony stuff, they had monitors from the viewpoint of the person that was using it, which is not the same thing. But you can get some center, sort of sense of what was going on for the Sony stuff. They had, uh, I think, three demos. One was something by the Eve Online guys, which was like a, a first person uh, spaceship thing. Steve's <laughs> like very concerned. He's like, <laughs> this would be the most uncomfortable video game experience i've ever had i don't know if you could actually like if you could play x-wing but with a vr headset it could be pretty everybody cool. except steve i'm sure would love it <laughs> it depends well i mean you could do a bad job i mean you could still yeah. wind up you know puking in your living room because right. the vr is so bad yeah. But, yeah uh so i mean so apparently they did some sort of like uh i think i don't know if it's proof of concept or it's a real game but it's some sort of thing in the eve online universe that you're you're piloting the spaceship so you get launched out of the carrier and you're flying around it looked it looks gorgeous. I'll try to find some video for it and put a link up to it. Um, and this, so they have that. They had a sort of sword fighting simulator. So you use the the move controllers, the little, you know, the sticks with the ball, the glowing balls in the end from, from PS3 <laughs> yeah. era. Uh, and you use those to basically control the sword and the shield. Uh, and you're attacking this, like, dummy thing, I guess, because it's easier to work out that versus fighting another person, you know. Uh, and then they have a third demo, which was uh, a shark tank dive simulator. 
So you would put on that is the wow. correct expression. <laughs> that just seems so yeah. off the wall. Yeah. So they so you would literally they would they would um, I don't know what what they use the move controllers for in that case, but they would just sink you into this shark tank, and a shark is literally you know circling in in that in the demo, and I guess it's supposed to give you the experience of it without you know without being underwater or I guess. near a shark. Or <laughs> uh, I mean, people have said they were impressed by it. Uh, so I guess one of the things you probably just have to actually try to yeah, sort of understand so. if it's yeah. any good. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many ways to go wrong like i mean they have like controls on your feet so you, like, you can so interestingly there is a separate vr device for that <laughs> oh, totally so it's there's i I'll, I'll i gotta look up what the company name is but there is somebody else who is shipping a treadmill essentially that's a that's intended to be used with the oculus so you put on these special shoes that are like really slippery shoes <laughs> this sounds great right <laughs> sounds fantastic <laughs> you put on these shoes and you basically create you know traction which tells the in-game character to walk. So if you have the Oculus thing on your head and you've got the the treadmill thing, then you're you know more immersed than you typically would be. I think they have, they have like a gun too. So theoretically, you could have a very immersive experience. Mm. Who knows how this is all going to be? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you know coming home and like your wife is like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> got the the head mounted thing and the walking around. So yes, somebody has thought about that. And strangely enough, I think they're shipping that. Before the Oculus, whenever it's going to go like on general public sale, yeah. which is probably at least uh, you know six months to a year away at this point. But the treadmill they're selling right away. I guess their target audience is <laughs> Oculus developers. I guess, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, or maybe they just want to get out on the market. And it, I think it was like two hundred dollars, you know, which is less than the Oculus. Wow, that seems really cheap for something that maybe needs- it was more than it wasn't. It wasn't much more. It might have been as much as the Oculus, so like sure. maybe two to three hundred dollars. Yeah. Now I'm suddenly concerned that it's not built very well. Know, <laughs> like, right, yeah. Your foot will just go straight through this thing. <laughs> yeah, I was watching. I was watching uh, uh, somebody else. Um, what's his name? Uh, somebody who's a Destructoid uh, news guy. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Anyway, so he he said he's like six foot six, and he couldn't actually use it as intended because you're supposed to like have a harness. Let's see, they had to keep you from walking yes, off the treadmill. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, so there's there's like a little ring that goes around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Because he's too tall for the harness, he had to like hold on to the the ring mm. along the side. So there's potentially a problem. He kind there. of breaks the illusion a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of effort, you know, to get, <laughs> to get immersed in these games. But yeah. um, but it's interesting. I mean, so probably what's going to happen is, you know, at the end of three years or whatever, everybody's going to it's going to boil down to something much more reasonable. Sure. You know, these are all kind of game developers making stuff for other game developers right now. Right. Um, but it's the first, like Steve was saying. I mean, there was everybody's like, oh yeah, that'll be the future. You know, the year yeah. 2000, you'll do that. Back in the the 90s. Yeah. Um, but it's actually starting to happen. Well, maybe by the time we retire, we'll actually be able to have like holodecks, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. they'll have actually sorted it all out, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's cool. That's why short circuit cut to that part. Yeah. <laughs> just all this in between treadmill and yeah. the headset. You just want to say, French. So how, did they, how did they explain that away, though, in Star Trek? Like, because they could walk around the holodeck. Well, I know, but, but, but the holodeck was only so big, right? Well, the whole idea, though, is that you know the the scenery can be moving underneath you when you physically aren't necessarily moving. It's you know, but how does so. but how does it keep you in place? It moves. It, it, the it generates matter. It generates yeah, matter. yeah, yeah. The generated matter is. Like, oh, it's not actually just a projection like holodeck. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've never really seen like much of this show, so I don't really know <laughs> like the show. lore. <laughs> <laughs> so like, whenever we're joking about deflector rays, you're just like, ha ha ha. <laughs> I mean, I know like the you know pop culture references, but I just actually have never watched a whole lot of Star Trek because I actually find it to be like really hokey. It, and it would be the <laughs> it, the very low fidelity version of it would be that thing where you put your you know your hand in like a, a bed of and pins. like little pins yeah. come up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, so we're definitely not there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not there yet. Not gonna hold my breath for <laughs> that version.
Nice. All right, so what were some of the cool games you saw at the expo? Uh, yeah, there were tons. Um, so uh, Night in the Woods it looks really interesting. It's I, I, Apparently it was a Kickstarter project, and I totally missed it. Um, Everything's Kickstarter Steve, do you have now. any thoughts on the art style for Night in the Woods? <laughs> I don't remember which one that is, but I'm, I'm sure I love the art style. So, so this is Night in the Woods. It, oh, yeah, this is the one that I thought I was most most impressed by the art style. Yeah, so it, it looks I, I love me... the cat. I don't even know what the cat is doing or if that's really a cat, but uh, I, I, I'm, I I'm already not... ready to sign up for this. Can I buy it now? <laughs> uh, actually, I think you can. So it looks like a point-and-click adventure game? Yeah, I think so. Like, it, it seems to be kind of maybe in the, in the style of, like, Kentucky Route Zero. They're using game as like a delivery medium, and it's not as much a game game, or, or Gone Home maybe even is another example. Uh, but when I was watching kind of the dialogue, watching the interactions, it seems like there's no like giant, you know, there's no boss taking over the world or like any kind of like magical anything happening. It's this cat that's having interactions throughout the uh, you know the other cats' lives <laughs> and stuff. I don't know. Honestly, there's probably a lot more detail on the Kickstarter page, and I, I just sort of walked by and was like, "Hey, this is really gorgeous. I'm curious what it, you know what it's all about." Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's it. Looks interesting. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, no, I mean the videos make it look look really neat. I, you know, it's hard to say much more without knowing like what sort of the premise is. Yeah, but. I mean it, it's a really unique. It looks like a really unique take. It looks yeah, like something totally. that's sort of like you know in our wheelhouse as far as this type of stuff that we're usually interested in. Oh. No, the art is really cool. It looks really good. So there was a talk on from Ubisoft, and they're about, I think, on April 20th, actually. So really, really soon, they're going to release this game for, I think, like, next-gen console systems and maybe PC as well. It uses the same engine as Rayman Legends, uh, the, the UbiArt engine. Mm-hmm. So the, the way the engine works is basically you, um, they've got this mesh system, and they import what is essentially the concept art. They rig it all up, and then you get this really gorgeous hand-drawn 2D um game and what they did with contrasted the other stuff which is more kind of cartoony and bouncy and happy fun with with child of light uh it's like a fairy tale basically Mm. so it's this like they said it was actually a really interesting talk because they talked about the inspiration was behind the the art style and he talked about this area era i wasn't really familiar with which was like the golden age of age of illustration so just when the, when print books got to get to the point where they could do like mass production and they actually had the level of fidelity i don't know maybe you know more about about this i hadn't heard about it um so but there was this age of of illustration that was really rich and detailed and over time it just kind of got lost but they used that as inspiration to build this game and it's like it's basically a, a jrpg kind of game um but with platforming elements and the, some of the things you talked about was they knew essentially what they wanted to do. They wanted to have this like, you know, um, watercolor kind of feel to it, but they had a hard time nailing down what the particular character was going to be like. So when they showed it internally, you know, there was generally positive reactions, but they showed an early version of character and it wasn't a very memorable character. So they were concerned it wasn't going to really stand out. But then they latched onto this idea of like this flowing red hair and it's a really iconic look. And they decided that the character would age over the course of the game. So she starts out at like, you know, whatever this is, eight years old or something like that and becomes, you know, an adult woman by the end of the game. And uh, they talked a lot about, I mean, hopefully people will be able to go like on GDC Vault and like look at the talk. But it was really, really interesting because it, it opened up, you know, the it, it kind of peered into the, the game development process from the conceptual side. You know, how do they take an, an idea that has the seed of a good idea and show it internally in, in Ubisoft? And how did they develop it? And he went through a lot of the details about, you know, well, they were trying to look at this thing and they realized they thought, for example, with the long hair, this was actually a really interesting detail. Initially, they thought they would have to have the girl have really short hair because if you have a cardboard cutout style, 
long hair looks really fake, you know, because it looks it's it looks like something's broken. Mm-hmm. But if you have stuff close to the body, close cut, you know, you can kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit. Mm-hmm. So what they did, though, is they said that she, he really wanted this long hair. So uh, the, the point of reference he kept making was the Little Mermaid underwater. You know, mm-hmm. he would, they would have these like this you know floating red hair and he wanted that look. So he realized that the solution was rather than to try to sort of adhere to the limitations of the 2D system, make the hair constantly like flowing so it doesn't look like it's like static. Yeah. It's like just go go run completely to the other end of it, which is that, okay, we're just going to like just if it's always moving, it will never look wrong because you can't focus on it for very long. Exactly. Yeah. It was really interesting insight. Um, And and now it's the look of the game. It's how you know that like that's the game that you're looking at. Um, And it's it's just gorgeous. And I'm really excited to play it. I mean, typically I'm not really big into the turn-based stuff um but i like uh similar to like nino kuni i feel like i just i have to play it on principle and this was an earlier version of the character where it's got the kind of the short hair and then they showed this and they uh to the internal executive team and they they said like well it doesn't it's good but the character doesn't look strong enough to sort of hold the game very interesting talk i highly recommend tracking it down yeah the the technique you're talking about where they sort of have like the mesh and they bring in the concept art and yeah. just sort of like rig it up to bones there's actually like just an off-the-shelf product that will just do that i think um there's this thing called i think it's called spine or, I've heard of or, or spline i think it's spine but it basically does exactly that i mean it's a 2d you know art package and so you bring in um yeah, I think you have to pre-slice all of the bits. So, you, hey, you have to have, like, the hand image and mm-hmm. the forearm image and the bicep image. But then you can rig it all up to bones. And then you can do all the animation on the bones. And then it'll rearrange all the pieces for you. And then it can also do, like, actual, like, mesh, like, you know, deformation sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, oh, I want, like, you know, I don't just want to reposition this image. I actually want to, like, make it narrower or stretch it out. Or do, like, some sort of, like, weird, like, non uh affine yeah sort of like you know transformation on it and they can do all that stuff and I'm like well, that's pretty cool actually so it sounds like it's sort of the same thing where you can just sort of just take your art and just animate it yeah yeah no it's, it was really fascinating and it, you know the the thing he mentioned is that they they basically took the con he said well, you know, what would the game look like if we took the concept art and made that the game yeah as opposed because usually what you do and he used the example of like old like you know um older like 16th bit like Final Fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah you, where you take this concept art, you're like, that looks awesome. That's the kind of stuff that ends up in the box art. Mm-hmm. Then you see the pixelized version of it, and it's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you really have to use your imagination. Yeah. So, um, but so I'm really excited to check that out. Uh, that's more in the night stuff. There was a whole bunch of stuff at the at the Sony booth where they had basically you know brought in these indies. Towerfall Ascension was one um, that's gotten kind of a lot of attention recently. That came from Ouya, Ouya and they got appointed to ported to PS4. What an awful name! I know. By the I way. know. <laughs> no <laughs> one can pronounce it. <laughs> okay, so there is it was a total total dark horse choice, but um, it is, I believe it's called Phantom PI Mission Apparition Apparition, and it kind of looked like a point and click adventure game, somewhat in the style of like Maniac Mansion or. Um, kind of a bit of like luigi's mansion i think this actually struck me as something steve would really like because it it's got sort of the it's got the same sort of feeling of like like monsters inc but in the context of like a scooby-doo episode it, it's very hard to describe <laughs> a scooby-doo I, I, like, I, so the, the villain is definitely an old man in a mask like that Scooby-Doo episode is definitely not towards the top of the things that i like i know typically. Grant, granted <laughs> i don't know if you could make a game that looks just like that would a be scooby-doo awesome. episode like it looks exactly like scoop the old like yeah. crappy i just think it would be it would be entertaining it, it would just be really funny yeah. and like uh, like sort of With an ironic retro way yeah <laughs> yeah so we know what Steve's art style is. Yeah, especially when you get like the, the, the little infinite running sequences where they like yes. they're all like running away 
away scared from something. And you're like, is this house like 500 <laughs> feet <laughs> wide? True. Like, how do they have this much room to just run down these hallways? Cell animation? It's cheap. Yeah, and you can tell like the door's going to open because it's not the same color. You know? <laughs> yes, like, yes. <laughs> um, anyway, this looks really cool. It, so it looks like it's basically, um, there, there's a point and click element. There's sort of an environmental puzzle thing. Um, I I couldn't. There wasn't a lot of information about it, but it just it looks like something would be like a really fun to like play. Like Saturday morning, I'm waiting to go do something. I have you know I've got two hours to just sort of have fun doing something. Kind of like the at least for me the the feeling I got from like um uh not papers please. What was the cooking game? Cooks oh, are delicious. Cooks are delicious. Or it's just there was no bigger message, but it was just sort of a fun little thing to do. Yeah. Uh, or you know Steve's case like cook a serve frustration. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think we should check that out when it comes out because it, look, it looked like a lot of fun. I cannot remember what the name of this game is that you were commenting on. That just looks so cool. I mean, it, I mean, so the style of the city itself looks almost like a slightly more like colorized version of um, uh, Mirror's Edge. Yeah, and if you guys heard of Mirror's Edge, it's like it's yeah, a, yeah, I played it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Steve's giving me a look like he hasn't. So it's like it's it's, it's a, a first person. It's a first person like three running. Yeah, exactly. I haven't I haven't heard of three quarters of the games you guys have. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> something new yeah <laughs> but no it's, it's got the same sort of thing where you're like you know running around on rooftops and sort of doing like these sunset overdrive sunset overdrive possibly impossible stunts yeah so it's this crazy like but just the animation was so smooth yeah. like it was really cool yeah it looks awesome i think he winds up surfing on a cafeteria tray is that what i saw and like yeah, that's what it looks like he like runs through like a food court and like grabs that guy's tray yeah mirror, i actually haven't done the mirror's edge thing but yeah it does in God, that looks so it does cool. look awesome <laughs> it, 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 this is one of these things where the concept looks so great it's going to totally rush on the execution you know if, yeah i'm already i already know i'm gonna be disappointed if i play this game <laughs> it can't possibly li- like the two second video you've just shown me i've already created this like fantasy version of the game <laughs> that is just everything i've ever wanted and it just can't possibly actually be that um so a few quick hits uh so i i, I went to talk with i think you say it clee is that how you say the name of the company c-l-e-i and they did mark of the ninja don't starve was the one that came out recently they did shank and they've got sort of this really signature um 2d uh cartoony style and it was interesting because they talked again like similar to the child of light talk they talked about like how do they they build how, what's their process like you know so the artist was actually there and he said like he does the rough and he does the rough you know sketches and then he wires up the the animations in flash and then hooks up the the rigging and then they import into their system. And there was one of the interesting things is a lot of the games talks that I went to, they got around the memory limits with their their bitmaps by just basically doing vectors. So I went to the Guacamelee talk. Nice. And they said the same thing. Are they all vector artwork for that? It, is I mean, all it vector looks artwork. vector, yeah. but it actually is vector. Okay. It is, yeah. And it was a reoccurring theme because they would have, you know, the artwork that's sort of in vogue right now. Yeah. It just really lends itself to being vector artwork. Sure. And it's it you know thankfully addresses the memory concern. so how technical was their talk about that i'm because i'm curious quite technical really yeah so do they actually draw the vectors on the gpu like is they are they using OpenGL or whatever the equivalent is on the playstation uh, to actually draw the vectors as triangles on the you GPU? know i'm not sure so at that one point i'm not sure what what they talked about with guacamole specifically what they talked about is that they had you know they have some assets that are actually bitmaps so like in the sure. background they've got like the fake posters yeah. of like link fighting mega man that or makes whatever. sense for this but for the characters they have they they export it basically as swf files and then they import it to their own vector system mm-hmm. and they draw it in engine at runtime i don't know what the details of their engine are yeah. that might actually be in they had two talks and i only okay. saw one of them so it might be that one of the other talks would explain that yeah because i definitely like looking at the art style for guacamole like as i was playing it it definitely i definitely thought like wow you know like it is really, it looks like it's all vectors. And I wonder, one, is it actually all vectors? Because I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can. But it seems to me, like, intuitively, that rendering vector artwork at 60 frames a second seems like it'd be really challenging to do on the CPU. But if they could actually, like, 
if their vector format that they're using basically just like you know tessellates into triangles and they can just send all those triangles think, over to the graphics that. card yeah then you get awesome performance yeah. like that's exactly what the graphics card is supposed to do so yeah. if that's actually what they're doing that's very clever that's really really interesting yeah i've we've totally lost like <laughs> a certain tessellation <laughs> come on this is the best part about video game technology is that it's all like so you get to use the coolest words i mean like oh, we could use the uh, yeah. tessellation engine for that yeah exactly like this is the kind of techno babble that like non-technical people think that technical people talk about like it really is true for video games but that, but but that's a great thing about this conference is that you know those people you can just as easily easily run into somebody who's basically a concept artist as uh you know one of the writers on uh you know like uh, gone home or you could run into somebody who's actually implementing the vector engine on guacamelee and like right. all those people are mixed in together uh, so you have an opportunity to, to talk to all of them oh the one thing i have to mention which is totally an aside is uh i don't know if you guys saw but actually i was in actually the kentucky route zero talk which we should talk about in just a sec mm. But um, I ran into Tim Schaefer. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So I, met, I saw him sitting there and he was like talking to some guy and I just walked up and said, hey, I'm a fan, you know, and I, I said that we had re- reviewed um, uh, Space Base DF9. And mm. he's like, how did we do? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, we liked it, but, you know, there were a lot of asteroids. Uh, and then one of our guys, you know, had absolutely nothing happen. And he's like, yeah, we're, you were trying to figure out how to, how to tune that engine. Nice. Um, and then we started talking about uh, like... You know, NASA has a, uh, has a, a division where they like hunt asteroids. And I was like, is that a game or is that a real thing? He's like, I think maybe it should be a game. <laughs> <laughs> but he asked about he, you know, he said, well, what's your podcast? And I told him. So oh, cool. Anyway, we had a little chat with with Tim Shea. Well, shout out if he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said he said we should try to get one of the the space based guys on the show. So I don't know. We'll nice. See. We'll see if that happens. We need to follow that up. That would be super cool. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that nicely leads into. So I went to the Kentucky Route Zero talk. Hmm. This is the strangest talk. I was at the entire conference. <laughs> was it as bizarre and like exactly. nonlinear as Kentucky like, Route Zero itself? The, the, the thing, so the thing that's really interesting about this talk is that the guy, I, I don't know which, you know, I think there's like three of them, right, that worked on the game or something like that. This guy was brilliant. I mean, sometimes you see somebody talking, you're like, I don't even know half the words he's saying, <laughs> but they seem really good, like good, really good words. Yeah. I mean, he he had this air of like, he, he was really meticulous on what he was saying, what he was thinking about. He had this really clear vision but like you, you felt like he was working on a different level, and it's like he is completely the incarnation of all the quirkiness and honestly sophistication of the of the you know the different parts of Kentucky Route Zero. Like yeah. he is like he is that thing, and it was so funny because like com- compared to all the other sessions, like typically they have slides and 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 you know game footage or whatever up. And he had like performance art, like <laughs> the most random stuff. Like the, the one that's pegged in my head is that he had video running of like. Literally, it was some shot from a garage, and there was, like, a couch and a spinning tire. And I think he was talking about, like, just all kinds of stuff I've never heard of. Like, it was, like, film school stuff. Yeah. Like, all kinds of, like, he was citing all kinds of papers I'd never heard of and people and, art, you know, artists. Wow. Way, way out there. And, like, yeah. he, and it, it became clear that what he did is, like, I think he's got this really, really deep film background mm. and stage background. And he was talking about how he funneled that down into a game. You know, and you ended up with this complete enigma that is Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was just so different than all the other talks. Because all the other talks, honestly, a lot of the people are very re- relatable. I mean, like the people at the Guacamelee talk, um, it's just like any other guy you would know. Mm-hmm. You know, they just happen to make a game about uh, Lich Doors. <laughs> <laughs> but like the Kentucky Route Zero guys, like I just felt like I was like, you know, I was glaring into another plane of existence that they operate in. <laughs> um, really, really interesting. And then the big, the the single most important thing, I immediately texted Stephen uh steven justin when i saw it is he put up a screenshot of the first scene that you're in at kentucky route zero the gas station with the giant horse head 
he showed a zoomed out version of it where the entire expanse of the lower the basement is basically the bottom half of the horse so like the horse is like buried yeah <laughs> and like the pipes going down to the oil reserves or whatever it is they're all like the legs of the horse yeah. i will put a link up it's amazing um it's awesome it feels like you know when you finally see the statue and lost you know where you like see like the whole thing you're like oh there's like the whole other half spoiler <laughs> uh and one other so there's there's a bunch of little quick hits we can talk about games but the one other one that i think wait, wait, before we go on yeah he say when the next episode or it was gonna come, I, chapters and come out he did not say that yeah <laughs> he did say what? it but he said it on the other plane of existence that yes. scott was not attending no it was it was it was surreal that was absolutely the most surreal talk that I had uh that you know the entire conference was that one it was i was just like i was like i was looking at like a film of like a tire spinning and like i was like it's so deep i don't understand it it's so avant-garde postmodern uh you should check it out so if it's in the vault you guys or you know whoever's listening should definitely check it out because it is very unique um so so visually a game i ran across that actually seemed kind of similar to kentucky route zero we're looking at the video right now it's called quadrilateral cowboy yep (laughs) <laughs> okay takes place in the i believe in the 80s apparently even 56k modem and like some mm. sort of like 38 386 yeah. pc or something like that and you're basically running around this world hacking into things and you i'm no joke you actually like type telnet commands and like that's awesome yeah it's pretty intense and there are styles very it, it's like the 3d version of kentucky route zero so like and first person it looks like first person yeah so so you're you're basically going through doing these environmental puzzles and like hacking into things and it looks like total hardcore like you know geek they know their their niche for Mm -hmm. sure and uh it it might be awesome i don't know it looks very like eccentric the other thing is they had this like box art that was of the era that's awesome yeah have you seen panic when they did like the old video game version like that oh that is so great yeah Yeah. it was exactly like that um and then i think the attempt to use like real computer stuff is cool like it's kind of it's kind of like in movies when they do like hacking scenes and sometimes it's like oh i think that's the source code to like a wikipedia page like that's not very interesting but sometimes it's like real stuff like i mean in the second matrix movie they're like hacking into the power plant and it's like an actual like real ssh exploit that they're doing where it's like it says it's doing such and such and like patching such and such and people are like that's that's like a known bug like you could really do that oh really yeah Yeah. like that's a real known security issue with ssh like yeah yeah so it looks it looks like they're trying to turn that into a game which i that's cool pretty fascinating if they pull it off um, there were a couple little quick things I just want to mention. So there was a, there was a iPad game coming out uh, called Robots Love Ice Cream. Of course they do. And uh, it's a it's basically a spherical Space Invaders, but instead of shooting bullets, you're shooting ice cream, and instead of shooting at Space Invaders, you're shooting at robots. And it actually, I mean, it looks it looks very fun. <laughs> it looks very fun, like a casual kind of just goofing around Saturday morning cartoon kind of. It's way. just like Space Invaders, except it's not really like Space Invaders. <laughs> 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 except uh nothing is the same and it's all desserts except there's there's no space or invaders <laughs> yeah but it's got a, it's got a really nice like cartoony style and i think it the sound was really nice and i think it it's something i think it's sort of an easy just you know pick up and play yeah. kind of thing worth checking out there were a ton so this was there were two two major themes at the conference one was vr was everywhere the yeah. other thing that was everywhere twin stick shooters really so many twin stick shooters why has this become a thing again i don't, I don't know maybe unity makes it easy i don't know but there uh, were so many there was there was one worth mentioning here though wherever the thing went it was android cactus what is it called uh assault android cactus it actually looks gorgeous it looks like it's like little tactical assault cactus it's so it's local co-op i believe it's local co-op four players um and it's just total mayhem and it's completely over the top and 
I really wish that like more local multiplayer would become a thing again. Like, you know, cause it seems like it's sort of gone out of vogue, especially yeah. with like the last generation of consoles. Like it's really hard to find games that you can play local, like it's, split it's screen true. multiplayer, yeah. but it's so much fun. I mean, like everyone, maybe not everyone, but like tons of people remember like fondly, like playing split screen, Goldeneye or Mario Kart, or Smash or, Brothers, or Smash Brothers, like, you know, tons of games where it would be like four people all sitting like on the same couch yeah. and you're all like physically like, you know, Threatening violence against each other. <laughs> you know, there's been some serious arguments over Mario Kart that I have been involved in. I, I hope we have on video Justin's sincere look. <laughs> it gets real. But, but you know, but that's just not a thing that really happens yeah. much anymore. So it's, I, I think it's cool. I think a lot of these indie guys sort of are, you know, trying to get back into that. Yeah, so it's encouraging. I think I think some of that is the, the barrier to entry is lower for the developers than writing all that networking code, honestly. Oh, for sure. You know, probably the real the real reason I suspect that it's it's all going towards like the network stuff is because um you know a lot of people who play games now it's it's really inconvenient actually to like yes. get all your friends together yeah. you know it's like because you're all adults and you have jobs yeah. and like obligations besides games and you can't just be like oh i'm gonna go over to billy's house and take my nintendo 64 controller and we'll be there all saturday <laughs> drinking mountain dew and playing smash brothers you know like you just can't do that you know past a certain age yeah, yeah. <laughs> right so but, I, mean, but I don't know. Get, now you can yeah now now we can <laughs> but the biggest, the best one local multiplayer I saw was Lovers in Dangerous Space Time. And I showed you guys the mm-hmm. video. Uh, let me break back up now. So this thing is insane and awesome. Steve, what do you think about the art style? <laughs> Love the art style. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott, have you played this? Have you actually got a chance to like play I did. Again? I did yeah. play it, yeah, for a few minutes. So, is it out? Uh, uh, what does it say? It says, to be announced. Okay. So sometime, sometime pretty soon. But, you know, just the summary is that it's a spherical spaceship with different different decks, basically, that you can run to. And you have to physically do the platforming thing to get to the different decks. So if you want to control the turret, you've got to run to the turret deck. And if you want to control steering, you've got to run to the steering deck. If you want to control the, the you know, one other aspect of it, you have to run there. Yeah. So there's two of you playing locally, thus the lovers in dangerous space time. Theoretically, you're playing with your significant other, ideally. So the idea is that you can collaboratively are trying to, you know, get this spaceship through space without running to asteroids without getting blown up and still somehow achieve your objective by you know picking up different pickups and stuff mm-hmm. if you're playing single player you can deploy your dog to one of the decks oh my god that's awesome. and it will do its best <laughs> it'll do what it's supposed to do i have no idea how effective that is but it is pretty funny i did try it and he was like sitting there like typing at the controls his little dog nice <laughs> so you know you can name yours pretzel it's awesome <laughs> uh but that looks awesome i'm really excited to play that one um and I, I don't know if it, yeah, so there's no, there's no date for that one, but uh, looking forward to that. So there was actually a whole section on card games and board games that were invented by game, de- like digital game designers. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that, you know, it's called the Game Developers Conference. It doesn't explicitly say the Video Game Developers Conference, but in practice it kind of is, I yeah. guess. But how much, so I guess, first of all. So the section the- was called Doing It on the Table. Nice. Classy. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> next is a big GDC logo underneath it. That's doing great. it on the table. That's great, guys. Uh, <laughs> but so, like, I mean, it seems like the expo had like a section that was for that. But were there any talks that were about like? There were not. No, no. I think video I, games. There was. There was okay. not. I mean, there, there was in the sense that there was things that could generally apply to other mediums. That all the narrative stuff, I think, would apply pretty much to everybody, other than you know, here's a quest, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it was all the focus was was entirely on video games. Okay. Uh, but the games, the, the the card game stuff was really interesting. So there was a, a couple I ran across. One was Drunk Dungeon, which is basically, it comes with a shot glass, at least one. And it's it seems to basically be uh, D&D for drinking people. 
Okay, I could get behind that. Have <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys I, ever actually played D anD? Uh, I have not actually. No, no me neither. I I, I like should. I filled out like a character sheet like one time and was gonna play with some friends like in high school and then it just never happened. <laughs> so I just had like this character sheet like in my backpack. I'm like, I guess eventually I'll need this for something. And then the game just never actually materialized. <laughs> but actually to like you know read like the rule book and like do all the stats and whatever. It's a very it's a very nerdy game, like even nerdier than whatever you're expecting. Like there's a lot of like math and like numbers oh, and man. like all the stuff that, that computers would not work are, here. <laughs> <laughs> all the things computers are really good at you had to do on paper, you know, so it's like, yeah. uh, what do you think about the art style, Steve? Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be a meh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there was another one called Quantum. Uh, I, I couldn't really. I mean, there seems to be a lot of dice. <laughs> Would you say it's dicey? <laughs> and good night. <laughs> uh, and, and one of them, I, so one of them looks so gorgeous, actually, I had to pick it up. It's this, this game called Paperback by Ryan Goldsberry. And it appears to be basically going by, you know, the very limited description I read on the back. Uh, it is the game Page Turner. Page Turner, P-A-I-G-E, is trying to make a novel. And it's a card game about, you know, all the different uh, stories that she comes up with. But the artwork is gorgeous yeah it looks really um, cool. i'm gonna try to talk these guys into playing it it's cool so you basically is so it's from multiple people and you hmm. i don't know yeah i know pretty no. much as much as yeah. as you're seeing right there but it no the art is really it, cool. it's, it's, it's really sweet, fantastic like sort of you know uh pulp, pulp fiction and yes. not the quentin tarantino sort of way yeah like in a, yeah. a more kind of fun accessible yeah. way um yeah. it really so so there was a ton of games like that there was a so drunk dungeon was the one i was talking about before yeah uh uh, paperback is the one that I actually picked up, uh, and um, it's, these are all by video game developers. Yes, yeah. video game designers. Uh, I'd be curious to know, like, what the, the like, there has to be like a theory of game design for this kind of stuff. Theory of fun, yeah, yeah, basically, right? Like, I'd be curious to know, like, how much of it translates between these two things. Like, how do you sit down and like, I wonder just what the creative process is. Like, how do you sit down and go, like, you know what, I'm going to make a board game or card game, and like. How do you figure that out? Like, what are the levers you can pull to change the game experience? Like, I don't know. I, just think it's, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. So it seems like it'd be a really interesting, like, thing to learn more about. Is it like, absolutely. how, do, how absolutely. people design those things? Yeah. Like, and I think that's that's kind of how this came about is that they, you know, they realized a bunch of people were doing this and they're like, hey, well, let's just make this a thing at GDC. It's cool. Um, there, there was, I got to mention, there was this one little set where they had Kentucky Route Zero set up uh, with the dog and the straw the hat. Dog and a hat. There was this, uh, oh, so there were two little quick hits. There was a game called Airscape. Which is you're an octopus running around on uh, spherical-ish planets. Steve looked at this and I thought it, he looked. Yeah, it seems like the direction gravity is, seems to change like every time <laughs> yeah. you take a step. It's like it's it's kind of like Mario Galaxy but 2D. Yeah. So um, and so thinking of that kind of stuff, there's this interesting um, thinking of that and sort of like the theory of like game mechanics and stuff. I remember I don't remember where I saw it, but somebody was talking about you know oh if you you know ideas for gameplay stuff. They're basically saying take things that are normally constants and make them variables or take things that are normally variables and make them constants. And that sometimes leads to like really interesting situations like this, right? Like gravity is normally a constant, but if you turn it into a variable, mm. like, well, gravity here is one thing and over here, it's another thing. And you want to have like this really interesting situation, you know, it's like, but just thinking about it in that term, so it's like, oh, or well, what if, you know, time is usually like a constant where it just goes one way. But if you're like, you know, braid and yeah, you yeah, like yeah. turn time into a variable, it like opens up this like whole new field of like stuff you can explore in the game. So it's just, it's cool to think about like, I don't know, it's just one of those thoughts that like pops in my head like on a semi-recurring basis. It's like, what if you could take this constant and make it a variable or take this variable and make it a constant? Like that'd be <laughs> it should use cool. that in meetings too. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. There, so there was another game similar to Braid that, that just barely ran across called Super Time Force by the people that did uh Sword and Sworcery. Uh 
which seems to have the same mechanic where you can like jump forward and backwards. Oh, cool. worth, worth checking out. There was one game that is very much worth mentioning because it was it was so visually impressive, but it's gonna it's ways out. It's called I think you pronounce it Ma. <laughs> G N A H exclamation mark. I'm glad we have expression on video. That's these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are great. I love the art style. But what is it? Putting on the soundboard. So I actually had a hard time figuring out. I think this is part of because it's just sort of early in development. It it is somehow you're trying to figure a way out of the monster's head, and it's these these rotating. I know I have video. Isn't there a Pixar movie coming up about this? Uh, well, it a very, guy? very high level. Yeah, it's, it's very similar at a, at a high level, but um, I can't find the, uh, the video I had. But it's, it's basically a puzzle. So you're turning, you're turning the monster's head around, and you're you know, pulling on this knob and, and turning this dial and moving this thing, and you're, you're just kind of trying to get... It, it's like, I guess, like it would be one puzzle from Mist, but several levels of, of each of those. Mm, okay. So each each of the you know the monsters each of the levels has some other combination of things. You got to twist this thing three times, and you got to move this slider up, and eventually you unlock a path outside of the monster's head. Absolutely gorgeous. It's a ways off though, and I think there's some polish that still needs to be done there. Um, and yeah, pl- plenty of other talks I could, you know I could go into detail about, but uh, I mean overall the the I guess the the takeaway from the talks was that I love the fact that you could go to like the Guacamelee talk and something that I enjoyed. Or any of these other sort of launch games, and you, they would talk to you about exactly what their process was, and how were the sales, and how did they decide to release it on multiple platforms, and you know how did they solve this technical issue. So for that alone, I mean, it was just it was I had an expectation of how good it, the conference as a whole could be, and it totally blew it away. I mean, it was awesome. Cool. So you're gonna go again next year? Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. I know, but it's not really like a review of. <laughs> you know. So would you recommend it to our listeners? <laughs> what conference again? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was awesome. I, and for sure, I mean, so the one thing is that even if you didn't make it to the conference, I think they have a plan where you can pay them like $400 and get access to all the videos mm. from all the talks um, if you just want to go through them that way. So you you don't miss out on everything going, going that route. Cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, you can email us at feedback at lowearthorbit.fm. I suddenly realized about halfway through that email address I wasn't sure. <laughs> I think it happens to me every time. It's like, wait, is it FM or <laughs> um, Yes. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Low Earth Show, and you can visit our website where we keep meticulous show notes at lowearthorbit.fm. We have also a YouTube page if you're so inclined. Oh, that's right. What's the, the URL for the YouTube page? Uh, Low Earth Show as well. So it's youtube.com slash low earth show. Yep. So you can presumably subscribe, right? You can subscribe and you please, you, you should subscribe. So, yeah. So if people subscribe, we'll, we'll put up more videos. So yeah, please do that. We're holding the videos ransom. <laughs> you have to subscribe. If we do not receive a hundred <laughs> subscribes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> can you make some sort of, Sound over there, hopefully from your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can. I would be delighted to make sounds with my mouth. All right, so, so you're gonna, we're gonna use this one. <laughs> okay. I don't know what I was this thinking. Video's <laughs> this video situation. This video is running over here in a very precarious way. I wanted to tilt it up because otherwise you can't see the top of your heads. We we, we need. <laughs> I love that you're running that off a pencil. What could possibly the documentary of the? Uh... Okay, so let me bring up. So we've got logic is running now.
the application, obviously not <laughs> not in any other respect. <laughs> There's no logic in this room. <laughs> so, uh... Child by Light, Tearaway, Samoset, Naw, I guess is how you say it, Lovers in Danger, Space Time, Rex Rocket, Wayward Souls, and I'll just talk about that one. Assault, Android, Cactus, uh, Gauntlet, Phantom PI. I mean, great name for a phone. These are just words. Yeah, they're not even just, in order. Like, these are antonyms for other things. <laughs> Card game. Okay, so we'll have to wing it a little bit. Um, but I love the art style. You're, <laughs> <laughs> can we get a clean Some take of that? The entire, entire episode. Scott can just edit in the same <laughs> clip over and over. Steve, what did you think? I love, I love the art style. We'll sort it out. All right, so we should do the intro first. Yeah. It's so like this this week on Lawrence Orbit. Or is it this episode? Which one do we do? Welcome, I can't... welcome to, oh, are you saying the, oh, the bumper? Yeah, the bumper. This week on Low Earth Orbit, we... It's this week. Blank. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do this every time. By the way, just for the right, just so we're all above board here, we have two cameras, an extra microphone. We're sitting in different spots. <laughs> we're so, <laughs> we're so no off of our game. <laughs> and we've got one camera balanced on a pencil of quicker oats. <laughs> yes, yeah, So awesome. this is going to be great. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. This week on Low Earth Orbit, we talk about the Game Developers Conference. I love all the things you do with your eyebrows when you're saying <laughs> We have it on video now. Oh, my God. Do I do things with my eyebrows? You do. I mean, I'm told I have expressive eyebrows. You should watch. You can tell the video. Yeah, you can watch it. That's, oh, God, no. It's great. That sounds, this already sounds really embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> now that I'm recovering from my eyebrow incident. <laughs> He's like, what do we say? I know. I saw, I saw, I was, I, his mouth started using the words. I know. I do this every time. Oh, got it. Intros. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that. Okay. And then, and then we'll start talking about it. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> cool. All right. We gotta get. There's always the one. There's the one really bad take. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome to Low Earth Orbit, episode thirty-eight. I'm Justin Voss. I'm Steve Merman. I'm, what microphone are you talking into? I, I was like, <laughs> he was talking to me. <laughs> all right, all right. That's so weird. Are you asking me? You pointing at me? I feel like I should be like, I don't know. All right, I'll, I'll not looking. There's nothing weird going on here at all. I don't know what you're talking nothing, about. Nothing shifty at all. Have you seen my camera? Over my shoulder. Should be looking. I should, I, I should be staring. Don't look at the camera. Don't look at the camera. Yeah, don't look at the camera. But talking to the microphone. <laughs> all right. Welcome to the world of broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll have a guy with a holding the mic over us. Applause. <laughs> okay, should we try this again? Yes, please. Okay. I'm excited. 